that that business can look like it's doing really well but in times like this it may turn out there wasn't as quality as people may have thought they were yeah and for me that's why uh you know when i'm actually assessing companies one of the things that i really focus on the business model what, what they're actually selling you know um and is there a demand for that service um and is it going to be a demand for the service is that company you know this is me giving free game out here but you know Hello and welcome to Woke Finance, the podcast discussing all things finance and all things related to finance. It's your boy Peter and I'm with my co-host, my bro Jax. How are you? Peter, I'm very well, very, very well. Um, the time is going so fast. Usually the month of January normally lags because, you know, we get paid a bit early in December mm. and then we're waiting for payday in, in January um, for those of us that are employed um, and normally drags. But this January went so fast so so fast and um i think it's it's um it's going to precede what's going to happen this year i think this year is going to be a very very fast year for for most people for me especially i can imagine man absolutely it's gone really quickly and january is a special month for me because it's your boy's birthday this month around the corner very soon so january is always a big one for me man of course of course uh i didn't forget I know two of my good friends, uh, yourself and uh, one of our good friends, Barbara, you both celebrated birthdays, I think, a week apart. So it's always in my memory. Yeah, man. I'm just uh, reminding you anyway, because you know what time it is. But um, no, just a massive shout out to our listeners as well, all over, wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now. Just a massive shout out. Just want to show our appreciation to you for your ongoing support. Um, Today, we are going to kick off with um, what I'll probably say an interesting episode linked to current news i guess in the in in more recent times so jacks as you know you know and we've spoken about it on a few episodes in terms of the current climate right now and not just where we are in the uk but most parts of the world um the economy is obviously still going through a recovery stage of um the pandemic and um, all sorts are happening with uh rising um uh, living costs and um, bills utility bills etc and people who are um, I guess struggling to make ends meet um, are further struggling as well and there's just uh, so much going on in the economy and in more um, I guess uh, recent news there have been talks of uh, a recession Jax um, are we going into a recession um, are we already in a recession so we're going to use this episode to take a bit of a deep dive into that in, into that um, topic I guess how do you feel about that? Yeah it's very topical and it follows on very nicely from um, the episodes we've put out recently where we talk about how to get your finances in order uh, for 2022 this is also a, a key consideration oh absolutely um and i and i guess you know um if we look back in our history when the you know um in terms of real terms and us going through one in terms of a recession um and that was just on every single news outlet and lasted for a significant period of time. We was a bit young then, so we, you know, we heard about it, we knew we was going through it. Maybe we didn't really see the after effects of a so-called recession, but that was in around sort of 2008, right? Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, 2008 was when I started university and, of course, I studied a bachelor's degree in economics. And so it was a very interesting time to be studying such a subject, seeing it actually, you know, how important it is as a subject and you know how realistic it is and obviously how to relate what we're learning in theory to practice so I remember one of my uh, long exam paper questions was 
you know, what caused the financial crisis, et cetera. It was very mm-hmm. interesting. But yeah, that was um, the most aggressive, uh, what was a crisis, wasn't it? Mm. Um, you know, but essentially, yeah, when we had a time recession, it can happen at any moment within um, within a year. But that was one that lasted a very long time and mm. was very aggressive. No, it was, man. Um, and, you know, um, we will talk about, you know, what we sometimes see in a recession in terms of the aftermath for the economy. And probably most importantly um, for our listeners, um, you know, what we can do to ensure that we best prepare for such an occasion as well. So without further ado, Jax, it'd be good to sort of start from the basics as we do. And that's a simple question. What is a recession? <laughs> yeah, it's actually a very good question because sometimes I think the, the term is actually misused um, for those that like invest in the stock market when they see things going down, they say, hey, we're in a recession. But a recession is an economical term. And essentially what it is, um, is within any 12-month period, um, if you have two successive quarters of negative growth, that's what we call a recession. So when I say growth, uh, economies are always growing and it's measured by something called GDP, um, gross domestic products. So the way to kind of think about that is how we're growing as an economy, our outputs, things that we're putting out, the services that we're using. We tend to grow that on a consistent basis, year on year, quarter on quarter. But if you have a quarter where we go in a negative, um, that's not a recession already, but if we have two successive quarters of negative growth, then officially, by definition, we are in a recession. And and when you say that, that when you when you talk about that, that also depends where you are in the world, right? If somewhere is in, let's say, the US is in a recession, that doesn't necessarily mean the whole world is in a recession, or does it? Well, absolutely, absolutely. When you hear the term recession, you normally hear it about uh, what's happening in the US because. The US is uh, the, the biggest economy, the strongest economy, let's put it that way. Mm. Um, and what you find about the financial markets, especially, is, is they are all interlinked. So what happens is, for example, us guys in the UK, what we find is we tend to lag the US. So something happens in the US, and then later on, we tend to feel the aftermath because everything is somewhat linked. Um, and that's exactly what happened even in the financial crisis. Everything started up there, and then it trickled down everywhere else. Mm. No, absolutely. And I guess so we've had, um, you know, two successive um, quarters of, uh, I guess, negative uh, growth when it comes to um, GDP. Um, That's the, I guess, the official definition of recession. What do we tend to see in terms of the everyday person, individual? Okay, I mean, we're in a recession. How is that going to affect the everyday individual? Yeah, great question. So, um, Thinking of it kind of intuitively, um, obviously negative growth means uh, things such as uh, companies that are agents of the economy and individuals, we're not producing as much. Um, what does that mean? For example, companies are not as profitable, right? Um, if you're not producing much, you're not profitable. If people are not using your services much, you're not profitable. And that has um, consistent effects for individuals, employees, for example, if an employee and your business is not producing much, that's, that puts in a bit of a risk, right? Um, the risk of potentially, depending on how aggressive the recession is and how long it lasts and that kind of stuff, that company may want to cut their cost by cutting you off, for example, or they may decide to not increase their wages, for example. Um, and they can even decide to not hire many more people. So sometimes what you find is when we have uh, recessions, unemployment tends to go the opposite way, which means it, it tends to go up. So there's less employment in, in, a, in an economy. So these are some of the effects um, that tends to happen for 
for agents, individuals that are in an economy during, an, during a recession. Um, but there are other negative impacts. You know, the thing about economics and how things kind of uh, manifest is they all tend to link. It starts off with one thing, then that thing affects another thing, and then that thing affects another thing. And if there is no kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of intervention, usually by the government, which tends to happen, there's usually some sort of intervention to help the economy. If that doesn't happen soon enough, or if it doesn't happen um, effectively using the right tools and policies that the governments and the central banks have at their disposal, those uh, people in the economy tend to suffer mm. and for a decent period of time until things tend to kind of start working for us again. But sometimes that takes time. Sounds like a proper dire times. And I know we was young at the time, but, you know, I do remember speaking to people that, you know, unfortunately were let go from their jobs or even five years after it happened, we, you know, I, I know I've spoken to quite a few people that say during the recession, I lost my job or I was moved here and stuff. Um, and I can only imagine, you know, because we, we, we go through our entire lives studying, going through education, all of that stuff, getting a job, getting a career, and then all of a sudden, not only do you get let go, but it's hard to get similar types of jobs um, paying you whatever you was um, earning as well, because, yeah, that's even another problem. Right now, if you unfortunately get let go from a job, you know, the hope is that you, you've had the skills to actually get a similar paying job or even more. But during a recession, it just isn't like that. Well, exactly. Exactly. And I think people that suffer the most are the people that may not have um, specific skills or skilled mm. labor. Um, and they may just be people that, you know, use their hands and, and physical attributes to, to work. Sometimes these people are affected the, the hardest. Um, the mm. people that may not have, let's say, uh, uh, specific qualifications, um, sometimes these people are, are first to let go um, because for most uh, employers, they are the easiest to let go. Mm. Wow, man. Um, and actually, just on that, um, with uh, recession, um, as I said, as we both know, there's been recessions in the past and it's kind of almost cyclical, so to speak. But how often do we see a um, recession in our lifetime? Let's say someone is, lives up to 80 years old. Should we be expecting to see a recession? Oh, absolutely. Um, as I said, recessions are by definition just two uh, successive quarters of negative growth. So you can see that six months of negative growth. And this can happen often. It can happen, uh, I can't remember off by heart, how often it's happened over the past, let's say, 100 years. But it happens quite consistently. Um, the magnitude of the recession obviously can differ. Mm. So, um, you know, what we experienced uh, in 2008 onwards, or so 2007, I think it started, that, that was an extreme recession. That was, mm. that was a crisis. That was a whole credit crunch meltdown, you know? Mm, credit um, crunch. That's yeah. what I used to hear all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just a crunch of credit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in terms of the actual definition of what a recession is, that, that kind of six months of negative growth, that, that you know, that happens. Um, and that happens more consistently than most people will think. Um, it's just the impact. Sometimes mm. if it happens and then it reverts back and then we go for another period of, of decent economic growth, then the effects are not detrimental mm. um, for the long term. But when it's when it's aggressive, um, let's say the one we experienced um, in two thousand and eight, then it can, it can be very. And to be fair, we kind of experienced that in in um, recently with the with the pandemic. So I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, we can kind of estimate that almost every decade we're going to experience something quite aggressive. Mm. And, and I wouldn't say that's a, uh, a very unrealistic um, kind of forecast. I think that's quite realistic. Mm. And now I think the key point you're, you're um, that I'm getting from this is that, yeah, recessions happen regularly um, if you want to go by the actual definition. But again, it's the magnitude. And that's the one that tends to stick into our minds where we learn in the history books, whether it's the 2008 financial crisis, the 2001, I think it was, dot-com um, bubble or crash or so, or the Great Depression in the 1930s, all of that stuff. So um, no, I'm definitely hearing what you're saying on that one. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, that is the balancing act of economics, right? Um, the number one problem in economics is scarcity, um, scarce resources and infinite wants. And essentially, we could be having a great economy, things are going up, but then that can cause inflation and then that can shoot it backwards. So there's always there's always a balancing act that we're trying to achieve. And ultimately, what we, we try to achieve as an economy is stable economic mm. growth. Uh, we want to grow an economy, not too fast, um, because when, when we grow too fast, we tend to overheat. Mm. Um, and we don't grow fast enough then obviously by, by just common sense we know that's not great so mm. yeah it is always a balancing act and um, we do have something called random shocks so anyone has ever done econometric modeling you probably know about this but we um, we have random shocks that happen in the economy that we can't predict we can't predict um, you know things like viruses that come around we can't predict war sometimes we can't, we can't predict a lot of things that trigger um recessions and, and that become quite aggressive and lead to mm. things like crises mm. so um we have to always keep in mind uh, at the back of our mind that actually uh we have a level of ignorance as to what happens in the future we should always be somewhat prepared for it mm. no absolutely and before we actually just um move to the next part of the episode where we're talking about how can okay, so a recession might happen. How can we actually prepare? Um, obviously, here on Woke Finance, we talk a lot about things relating to personal finance, right? Um, whether it's savings, investments, um, only particular assets, et cetera. Let's talk a bit about um, that, that field, actually. When it comes to, I don't know, investments in, in equities or um, property or so, what's happening with those, kind, in, with those worlds during like a recession? Well, yeah, look, it's, it's the same thing I was saying before, you know, for example, we talk about stocks and stocks are just, um, you know, when you buy stocks, you're buying a stake in a business, right? So lots, we also say stocks, mm. they're not lottery tickets, right? They are, you know, ownership in real companies mm. or businesses. And so those businesses can be affected in recessions. Well, they are affected. Um, so, you know, for most people that may have invested in these companies, they may see the value of their investments or their shares or et cetera go down. Um, in value um, as you know there's a lot of fear in the market and investors uh, and the big money tend to flee the market and try to hide out in more safer assets mm. because it's the more risky assets that get hit the hardest during recessions um, and of course you know that there is a there's a possibility that companies can go bankrupt mm. um, so you try to reduce your risk um, by selling out of course if you try to do that earlier that would have been better <laughs> um, so ideally that's that's what kind of that's kind of the fear and that's what hurts a lot of the investors that may not really understand that you know investing is a long-term thing and i'm talking more about the short-term kind of mindset of people mm. um they get hit the hardest because they see their stocks or or their, their the value of their assets go down and they sell it at a loss um, and, and, and just on that jazz i mean if you look at any company that's been um 
publicly trading from before the financial crisis of 2008. If you literally look at their chart, pretty much every single company, they would have went down. But <laughs> like they would have been down in terms of the, the share price would have just tanked. However, we're in 2022 now. If you just look at that from 2008 to 2009, a lot of them started to go up after that. Um, and that just goes back to your point in terms of the long-term approach. Well, absolutely. If, if you look at most companies that have survived um, for the past, let's say, 30 years, you, you find, you know, if you zoom out um, in the charts, you find that there's specific areas where there are um, some aggressive dips in the market um, or, or the stock price of that asset. Um, even if we look at funds like the S&P 500, it's a good proxy for us to use, right? Um, well, you know, there's some very obvious dips. You know, if you look at 1999, you're going to see that a lot of the companies had a dip. That was a dot-com bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in 2008, we had the, uh, the credit crunch, the financial crisis. That's another, that was another serious dip. And then in, re- in more recent times, um, the, the pandemic, that was another significant dip as well. Um, but what we find with all these situations is, you know, over time, good businesses tend to um, recover and go on to do even better. Mm, no, absolutely. And and just um, off the back of that, what about the the property world, Jacks? What's happening? What tends to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, assets are assets, right? Um, mm. Same thing happens. You know, again, um, if we look at, for example, let me try and do a bit of economics here. If we look at what owning a home is and what you know how you know um people have the ability to own a home it's people that are working they're they're earning you know they they earn an income um and they they can actually afford to buy a home right Mm. um wages increase etc um but when 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 businesses are going bankrupt and people are losing their jobs the demand uh for housing goes down because people have less money in their pockets right um, and, and ultimately, what causes any assets price to go up or down is supply and demand. So when demand starts going down, the prices of these, um, these assets tend to go down as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, especially with home ownership, we tend to use leverage. We tend to use a mortgage, right? Yeah. So the people that, you know, that probably suffer the most are the people that, what I like to say, they, they are over leveraged, basically. Um, mm. They've taken out loans that they can't really afford. Um, and then when they fall into things like negative equity and that kind of stuff, then mm. it's all kind of doom and gloom. Hmm. Wow, 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 wow. Um, thank you for that. I think, um, yeah, just wanted to get really a, a deeper picture of what it could be like for the everyday individual in different circumstances during the recession. Um, it's obviously a particularly, a, again, depending on the, the magnitude of things, it's obviously not a pretty sight, um, particularly if one hasn't had the opportunity to be uh, proactive um, and prepare for a recession. Um, So let's get into that, Jax, man. I mean, when we think of all of that, I mean, you can start where you feel comfortable with starting, but how does one, after someone's listening to this, okay, it's crazy, but how can actually start preparing for a recession, which technically, based on history, we know is going to happen? Well, absolutely. Um, and this is, is, a, is a good way for us to kind of piggy bank of, of um, our recent episode in how to prepare mm. for the year. Um, mm. I started off saying something about ultimately with personal finance, we tend to, you know, especially financial planning, we tend to start off in four places. We always look at your expenditure um, versus your income. Mm. And then we look at your assets versus your liabilities. 
you know, this this is the kind of the, uh, what do we call it? The financial statement of your personal finances, basically. Um, and so you need to look at all these areas individually, you know? Um, so when we let, if you start from income, um, you know, we know that there's a risk to your primary source of income if you're someone who's employed, for example. If you're someone you're not and you're self-employed, your business, there's a risk to your business and a demand for your goods and services. So, you know, we, we try to look for ways to uh, diversify our income. You know, I know there's a buzz phrase going around of multiple streams of income, but it is mm. something that <laughs> is something that you should definitely be thinking about. Um, we know that the average uh, rich person owns or generates at least seven streams of income, for example. So we, we, we try to diversify our income, not just from one source. Of course, usually from the majority of people, we will have our primary source of income. Mm-hmm. That can come from uh, employment or self-employment, etc. We want to be find ways to generate multiple streams. And the one income that we do, uh, the, the the main one, the primary source, I would say is important to maximize this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can maximize it in different ways. You know, I've spoken about things like career progression or career maximization, where you try to get the best out of your career by upskilling, for example. So, you know, if you have the opportunity to study for professional qualification that could be funded by your, by your company, absolutely take it. Take it because, as I was saying earlier, usually the people that get hurt the most are the ones that are less skilled. So we talk about increasing income and also having a multiple um, stream of income as well. And then, um, of course, we talk about expenditure. Expenditure, um, you might be in a position where you might not foresee a recession coming. Um, and your expenditure might be really high, depending on whatever you spend on. Of course, we always, regardless of recessions and that kind of stuff, we always say you have to be proactive in managing your finances through budgeting. Mm. Um, but you want to be really assess how much money is leaving your account on a consistent basis and for what and for why. Um, <laughs> for why is a very African way of saying, why are you doing this? Mm. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you really need to assess the money going out and ask yourself, does it need to be going out or can that be saved um, to be added, for example, to your, your emergency fund, mm. right? So, you know, Peter's favorite uh, kind of analogy for emergency funds is your umbrella for rainy days. Mm. Um, essentially, a recession is a, is a rainy day. It's a rainy day and sometimes rainy days can become storms. Um, and, and we don't want to experience a storm. And so sometimes even... When uh, it rains, yes, we can have our umbrella, but sometimes when there's a storm, we need shelter. Man, <laughs> just upgrading my sand. <laughs> and so to have shelter, you know, you can, part of having shelter is having, um, as I said earlier, your primary source of income, trying to maximize it and have multiple streams of income, mm-hmm. but also maybe increasing how much you have in your emergency fund. <laughs> um, that's something you can consider. Um, but ultimately, what's important is to compare and contrast your income versus your expenditure and always have a residual amount left over so you can actually do something with that money. Mm. That's the starting point, people. Hmm. Now, that's so deep. Man. I've just captured so many things in that regarding the stuff we can be doing now in terms of upskilling ourselves and developing ourselves in, you know, in, in the workplace, for example, and grasping on those uh, training opportunities um uh, as well and then you've got the other side of things when it comes to the income and um, you know ensuring that you're really looking at your budget and telling your money where to go and ensuring that you're spending in the right way so to speak um 
And so now that, and then the, you, you mentioned the emergency fund, which we've spoken about a number of times on our episodes. Um, you know, if someone's got maybe, we, we usually say people should have three to six months of um, emergency fund um, available for that, for an emergency. But if someone's got three months, they should be thinking about getting that up to possibly six months. Because we spoke about if during the recession when people lose jobs, it's not as it, the process of getting a job like right now versus in a recession is much more difficult. So ha- as much as an emergency fund as one can have um, will be extremely beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then we move on to the other um, parts of the personal financial statement, um, mm. which is assets versus liabilities. Mm. Um, no, liabilities is very straightforward. Liabilities is what usually causes your expenditure to go up. So you need to assess your liabilities and ask yourself, you know, are they necessary for the type of life you're trying to live? Um, some, some, you know, the term liability for most people is anything that's taking money out of your pocket. However, I have spoken in different episodes that sometimes um, something that takes up money out of pocket, money out of your personal pocket, can still be an asset if it saves you time, for example. Um, but if it's something that hasn't got as much value as you know it should, then I think it's important to really assess whether that liability is actually necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's very straightforward. I think the part that many people uh, kind of don't really pay much attention to, even when they are being a bit more, you know, uh, aware and, and, and kind of preparing for anything that can go wrong, is actually assessing their assets. Mm-hmm. Um, because generally when we think about assets, we think of these great things that, you know, propel us to, uh, build generational wealth to to uh, one day become financially independent, financially free, and we try to you know load up on as many uh, assets as, as possible. You know, as Robert Kiyosaki would say, I want to build my asset column, which is absolutely amazing. Mm. But what's important is um, we don't just talk about buying assets for the sake of buying assets. We talk about investing wisely. Mm. Um, and so when we talk about preparing for a recession, one thing that I would um, kind of encourage our listeners to really focus on is to assess the, 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 the risk level of their portfolio. Mm. Um, you know, before any investment, we talk about having an objective, thinking about your time horizon, think about your ability and willingness to take risk. So the third one, that ability and willingness to take risk has to be considered. Hmm. Um, you know, look at your portfolio and actually understand or try to understand. I think some people don't even understand the risk of their portfolio. Mm. Um, they don't understand that equities are, um, a risky asset for example and depending on the type of even equity we're talking about that can determine how risky it is so you need to really assess the risk um, of that portfolio and of course find ways to potentially mitigate that risk um, and there's various ways of doing that Peter as you would know uh, for mm. example through diversification um, and through changing up your strategies through keeping out keeping a bit of more cash on the sideline etc Hmm. Or, or, and not and be, not being over leveraged as we were mm-hmm. talking about in real estate but some people hear about property and they go wild and they buy mm-hmm. 5 10 15 20 30 properties mm-hmm. and they take out so much leverage um what they don't know is what happens when 10 15 20 properties their boiler goes down mm-hmm. you know and you're in a recession and people don't want to pay rent you know there's you have to assess the risk mm-hmm. of your portfolio regardless of what asset we're talking about no, that's deep, man. Um, and for some, 
I'm just even the thought of it can be scary, man. But that's why this episode is here in terms of preparing us um, for these things that just happen. It's just part of um, life, so to speak. And just on the, um, I guess, equity side of things, uh, Jackson, I know you've spoken a bit, you know, what tends to happen to businesses during the recession. I guess when it comes to investing, um, whether it's in, in, in funds or individual companies as well, um, do you want to talk a bit more about, you sometimes hear of companies being recession proof and all of that stuff. Um, what about that? And what is a company that is likely to be not so called uh, recession proof? <laughs> yeah. So I've, I, yeah, the, the whole uh, term recession proof um, comes from understanding that, you know, stocks are businesses and it, it really depends on what the business serves. Right. Um, and the business model as well. So what you find is um, those kind of businesses that are, tend to fit under this recession-proof mind, mindset is um, those companies that will still have a business during a recession um, and the businesses will not be um, affected or not hugely affected during recession. So you find companies that are in the, for example, the consumer staples um, section, you know, regardless of recession or not, people see toilet paper. You know, regardless of a recession, recession or not, people are still going to wash their laundry, you know. Mm. So um, there are certain businesses that we, even if their stock price goes down, it's not as aggressive as the overall market. Mm. So we tend to call those recession proof. And then you've got companies that are even beneficiary, <laughs> beneficiaries of, um, of, of recessions, mm. right? Um, and, and so those companies, not, not only are they recession proof, but they actually, they actually do better. Um, and I, I can guess the kind of question you're going to ask next. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> it's basically, you know, many, many people speak about recessions providing a huge opportunity for mm. investors. Um, and, and, and yes, it's, it's absolutely true because uh, we know that to make money in the stock market, the ultimate aim is to buy low and sell high. Hmm. Or, or we want to buy shares in a company that might pay dividends, but the lower the share price, the more shares that we get. And so the more dividends we get paid. Mm. And so when share prices go down, um, you know, we, we benefit. We benefit if we have cash available to take advantage mm. of these. So that, that's probably another thing there. So you're telling me it's not all doom and gloom. There's actually some great opportunities <laughs> during such times like this. Yeah, I mean, it's sad if you're unprepared. It's sad mm. if you're from a low-income background, you're not very um, financially educated, you're not very mm. prepared, you live hand-to-mouth, they say, or paycheck-to-paycheck. Um, it's sad because it, it really affects your, your standard of living. Mm. Um, but there are people, and unfortunately, it is usually the wealthy. Mm. Um, that actually really thrive in um, these economies um, or economic states. Because what you find is when we do go for recessions, that's why we have central banks and governments to try and bail us out, mm. right? So they'll do things, you know, they use various policies like monetary policy, fiscal policy. All that means is they will usually reduce interest rates um, to a very low rate, for example, mm. or, you know, they will just pump money into the system through things like quantitative easing, increasing mm. money supply, etc. Um, what when they do that, that usually benefits the stock market. So those people that were in before um, that might have exhausted all their cash, for example, they was, they would have seen their share prices drop um, quite considerably during the crisis. But mm. as policy comes in to revive the economy, it then revives the stock prices. 
Mm. And so the people that had cash available know this. And then they would have actually taken advantage of those lower prices, knowing full well that we're always going to, well, there's no guarantees, but the bailout is very common. Right. And then usually it's, it's a matter of time before the economy recovers anyway. So, yeah, it's always important to be aware of this. Um, of course, we, we don't encourage people to, you know, just try and time the market and mm. wait for recessions and that kind of stuff, because we never know when it's going to happen. Um, so we don't we don't encourage that here. What finance, we don't obviously we don't give financial advice or any investment recommendations either. But what we do say is we, we, we like the idea of always having at least some cash available um, if we, within your investment portfolio. Mm. Um, to potentially take advantage of any 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 uh, drops in in prices, but it's not just about waiting for share prices in any company to drop because some companies don't come back. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's about really doing doing your due diligence and and so deploying your cash into what we call quality businesses mm. um, that we know over time will recover and continue to do well once we recover from the recession. No, and, and and I just want to touch on that point, quality business, because, you know, the world we're in, and probably more in recent times in the last few years, um, you get all sorts of businesses, um, which in, in a thriving economy, you know, that, that business can look like it's doing really well. But in times like this, it may turn out there wasn't as quality as people may have thought they were. Yeah, yeah. And for me, that's why, uh, you know, when I'm actually assessing companies, one of the things that I really focus on for example, is is uh, the business model, what, what they're actually selling, you know, um, and is there a demand for that service? Um, and is it going to be a demand for the service? Is that company, you know, this is me giving free game out here, but, you know, <laughs> is, has a company got a competitive edge? You know, Warren Buffett uses the term a wide economic moat. Mm. These companies tend to uh, withstand the storm. You know, their umbrellas are big. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those are the companies, obviously, that I like to focus on during uh, recessions. I like to, you know, try and buy more shares in these companies uh, because I'm confident that, or I have a level of confidence that over time they will come back and, you know, they will outperform um, even the overall market generally. But, yeah, it's very important to do your due diligence. It's not just about, um, when I use quotation marks, buying the dip, because this this statement has been very popular, mm. um, especially over the past eighteen months, I'll say, mm. and I think it's a bit of a dangerous uh, mindset. Mm. Uh, you might be buying a dip of a company that's just going to continue dipping, um, and we call that catching a falling knife. Mm. Hmm. No, brilliant, Jacks, man. That's super, super useful, and I think hopefully our our listeners and myself certainly feels much more prepared for when that time does come and as we always say on woke finance you know um it's all about us educating each other and joining in that conversation and sharing it with others as well um and then probably more importantly take action man um you know implement things as well but um hopefully um you know if this is of value to any of our listeners um, and you think it'll be of value to someone else please do take time out to just share it with them and say hey i listened to this particular episode and it was really useful think you should listen so please do help us uh, spread and increase the range of the conversation but now jacks thank you very much for that was there anything that you wanted to sort of add to the convo yeah, I mean, um, just a reminder, you know, what, what I kind of guided people through was remembering, I like to call it your personal finance statement. So, you know, mm. look at your income, look at your liabilities, look at your expenditure, look at your assets, 
and pay attention to every segment, you know, um, and, and ask yourself the question, you know, if a recession was to take place and even more aggressively, if a deep recession and aggressive recession was to take place, you know, how long would I survive for, you know, and what does it mean for my assets? Am I over, over leveraged, for example? Do I have too much debt? Um, did I get too excited and buy too many properties, for example? Um, uh, you know, when you look at my, my equities, are they, are they in companies that, you know, have never generated a profit? Mm. You know, are they in companies that, you know, if they face uh, one month, three months, six months, one year worth of um, hardship, would they get through? So what does a company's balance sheet look like? Mm. How much debt do they have on their balance sheet? These are all things that are important. So you assess your assets. You look at your income. Can you find ways to increase your income? Can you diversify your income? Again, even talking about assets, can you diversify your assets? These things are all important. So that's 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 what I just want people to really think about. Um, you know, it's, it just creates a, a nice kind of a tool for you to start thinking, okay, where do I need to actually assess um, my finances? And then, you know, once, once you're comfortable, even if a recession takes place, you could be one of those people that don't panic, but actually recognize the opportunity to actually build up your assets, for example, for a much cheaper price for the long term. Brilliant, man. Thank you very much for that, Jackson. For our listeners, there's a couple of episodes that we refer to. So getting your finances ready for 2022, which is our most recent episode. So that's episode 61 and 62, um, or it might be 62 and 63. And just now, actually, in regards to financial statements as well, um, everything that Jackson has spoken about, there is an opportunity, you know, for you as a listener to actually see these things in, in practice. So even shared on a screen in a conversation with the Woke Finance team. And of course, you can access that service through our Patreon membership service, which you can sign up for for as little as £3 per month. So do sign up if you think that you'll benefit from such uh, a best I guess, more intimate um, conversations with the world finance team and just on statements in general, in terms of understanding how our business is operating from its fundamentals and its income, see, you know, where cash is flowing in and out of um, understanding the balance sheet. We did of course do an episode with KOD Olibayo, um, understanding financial statements for investing, which is episode 3941. So do check that out if you are a lean listener or if you just want to remind yourself. So Jax, man, thank you very much for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I've enjoyed this episode. And Come on. again, whenever I have these conversations, it reminds me to go and do the work as well. Um, I'm always, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, of course, on a consistent basis, I, I, I you know, take a, a huge interest in my own personal finances. Um, but these, these conversations really, really uh, highlight the importance of being intentional and being proactive um, and actually taking action. Hmm, absolutely. And Jax, man, you know, we can't finish without just giving a shout out to where we're getting um, new listeners from all over the world. We are going to stay in the UK today because we get quite a few listeners from the UK, which makes sense because me and you are both based here. Um, but we're going to give out a shout out to all of our listeners in Luton. Luton. Yes, come yes. On, OK, on, that's not, not, not too far from our hometown in London. Um, yeah, Luton. Uh, very interesting football team there. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I went, yeah, I went to see a game there once. Um, and it was a great game of football. 
Absolutely, man. Many memories during my university days. We did used to pass through Luton um, back then as well. But now, massive shout out to all of our listeners in Luton and, of course, around the world. Keep doing what you're doing, liking, subscribing and sharing, commenting and all of that good stuff. And remember all, stay stay woke. woke.